Well, I echo what Al had to say about Pastor Rich and Pastor Justin. It's my privilege to serve alongside them. They are very committed uh, to you. Uh, they are very gifted. Uh, they're good friends. They uh, bring a lot to the ministry. And they and their family sacrifice a lot in order to minister to you. Uh, they're an inspiration to me. I've learned much from them, and it's a joy uh, to serve with them. We should be very grateful uh, for men like this who serve us, and I would encourage you to catch them in the hallway, give them a hug, thank them for five years of ministry here in our body. Uh, write them an email, tell them what you appreciate about them, give them a gift card, send them a card, just love on them, because that is a wonderful thing to see five years of ministry. Many times pastors will hit a lot of different churches, so it's great to see people stick out for five years, and we want to celebrate that today. Also, we want to celebrate the fact that it's our 17th birthday as a church. Let's give God the glory for that. Amen. Yeah. 17 years of God's faithfulness, 17 years of God's goodness, 17 years of God's grace, 17 years of God's provision. And we are so very thankful. To step back in time here, this is the card that we sent out to our friends and family to raise support for this ministry. Roy and I uh, were led to start this ministry through Converge, uh, what was known as the Baptist General Conference and the Midwest Baptist Conference. In fact, uh, they, which were still a part of that association, gave over $200,000 to get this ministry started. And uh, this was, of course, Brian and Wesley, and I think Tommy's in that picture in vitro. Is that right? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, he was born in 1995, uh, June of 1995. In fact, we came on site in January of 1995, and the church started a year and three quarters uh, later if we built the launch team and all that kind of good stuff. But, yeah, it's good to see what God has done over the years. This, of course, is our first meeting site, Lake in the Hills Elementary School, and we couldn't find a place anywhere, anywhere. We just kept looking and looking, and finally God opened the doors to Lake in the Hills, and here's a picture of us worshiping there, and as we do traditionally, each anniversary, we'll find out uh, who goes how far back. So if you were part of the Lake in the Hills days, uh, I want you to stand at this time, Lake in the Hills days, any Lake in the Hills people out there? Okay, let's thank these people. Amen. 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 That's 15 to 17 years of being a part of this family, and we want to thank each of you uh, for sticking with it and, uh, again, ministering and all the things that you've done to make this church strong. Then in uh, 1999, uh, we moved into Jacobs High School, and we were there for six and a half years to 2005. So if you join the Springbrook family during that period, why don't you stand up at this time? Stand up. Okay, let's thank them. All right. That's seven to 14 years of ministry 
in our family. We thank you so much uh, for that. And then, of course, we moved into our building in January uh, 2005. If you've become a regular attender since then, why don't you stand up at this time? All right. Thank you so much. And now all the shy people. Uh, let's see. Why don't we have everybody stand up? And put, no, I'm just kidding. There's a major component missing there somewhere. Uh, maybe it was somebody worth the holiday in that one summer. Is that when the rest of you guys came? Just kidding. All right. Uh, but we, we're so thankful to you. Let's pray uh, to the Lord. Lord, we rejoice today at your work in our midst. We are very imperfect people. Uh, we are just so thankful that you've chosen to use us uh, to be a vehicle of grace in this community, to proclaim your gospel over 17 years, uh, to have people come to our ministry and, and then go on to other ministries and have people come back to our ministry after a time where uh, they've gone off. And it, it's wonderful to be here for a long period of time now, especially to have a, a ministry center uh, that is a, a place where we can come 24-7 to minister on your behalf. And, Lord, I just want to thank you for each of the individuals here. I want to thank you for people who have been a part of our ministry, have gone uh, to be with you. Uh, Lord, uh, so many people, so many people have made this church up. So many people have made disciples uh, in this ministry, and we're so grateful for all the leaders, all the volunteers. We're grateful for how you provided for us financially over the years, the sacrificial gifts that have been given. Lord, thank you that uh, you build the church. I will build my church, Jesus Christ said. And it's such a privilege to be a part of that. And we just take this special day to remember your goodness to us, your mercy, your love, everything that you give us. Uh, Lord, I pray that we move into the next chapter and continue to make disciples, continue to glorify you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, if you're our guest today, maybe you came because you saw the signs or invited by a friend or maybe got a postcard this past week, it's so good to have you. Next week, we're starting our parental guidance uh, series. We're talking about loving your kids, developing your kids, disciplining your kids, and protecting your kids. So we're looking forward to that. But today, we're going to continue in talking about our disciple-making mission, mission, especially our disciple-making strategy. We briefly looked at the... Uh, the Great Commission last week, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and I, behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Every Bible-believing evangelical church has the same mission, and that is to make disciples, to make disciples. That's the main verb that we see in this passage. And baptize them. I just want to tell you what happened last weekend, last Sunday we gathered together at 
4 o'clock in the afternoon. I think we had about 140 people there, and we baptized 21 people. 21 people declared their faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? There's a picture of Ariel uh, Samandel. Telling about her love for Jesus Christ. She did such a wonderful job. And here's a picture of her being baptized, perfect form, coming up, uh, holding her nose there. Uh, What a wonderful moment in a person's life. Not that they become a Christ follower at that point, okay? It does nothing for them in a sense of uh, salvation. But they are telling the people there that they love Jesus and they love his church. If you haven't had that chance to be baptized, uh, we encourage you to write that down on your communication slip, and we'll let you know when the next baptism class is coming up. But let's go back to Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Uh, go, so we're to go, we're to move to make disciples. It's not going to happen with us just sitting here, right? And so we send postcards out and have parenting workshops. And make disciples of all nations baptizing them, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What is a disciple? Well, we saw the definition last week. A disciple is a follower, one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. Who is that person? That's Jesus Christ. So Springbrook's mission statement is to develop passionate followers of Jesus Christ. Followers, the same word for disciples. Uh, We want to be learners. Uh, We want to be followers. Romans 8.29 sums it up beautifully, this discipleship process. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. When a person understands that they cannot earn their salvation, they cannot work their way to God, that they need to realize that they're sinners and that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for their sins and they need to put their faith in Jesus Christ and what he did in order for them to come into relationship with God, that's when they become a Christ follower. And that's when the discipleship process begins. And we as a family, we are to make disciples. We are to help people to become like Jesus Christ. There it is. Conform to the likeness of His Son. That is our goal every day to be more like Jesus. In everything we do, in everything we say, our values, our beliefs, what our life is all about, it's all to become more like Jesus. Let's face it, that's impossible, right? It's impossible. So how does that all happen? Well, let's talk about the power behind discipleship. What causes us to become more like Christ? Well, I believe the power comes through prayer. Prayer being committed to pray personally and corporately together that we would become more like Jesus. Luke 11, verse 9, our memory verse. I always have a memory verse for every month to encourage you to Continue to feed on Scripture. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We just got done with an I Pray series on prayer. And we know the importance of prayer. In fact, as I think about 
this new season that we're stepping into and how I want to encourage and how I want to teach and how I want to challenge our family. A big part of it is prayer. And of course, we started with that series in August. But I want to continue to encourage you to help you to understand the importance of prayer on a daily basis and how it can transform your life. The second part of where I want to lead you is I want you to think about how you are a disciple maker. Each of us, if we know Jesus, we are called to make disciples. And that can look like a lot of different things in different people's lives and different steps of their spiritual journey. I'd like you to take uh, this particular insert out of the book that we have given you this morning. <laughs> We've got a lot of information in there. Uh, the fall is beginning. We've got a lot of things we want you to be aware of. But these are your message notes, and if you turn to the back page, you'll see your personal fall 2013 disciple-making strategy. And my goal this morning is that when you step out of the service, that you will have a disciple-making strategy. Now, maybe some of you already have one, but if you don't, now you will have one. Because, again, you are a disciple-maker, so you've got to have a plan. What is God seeking to do through you? Well, the first thing you need to ask is, what disciples are you praying for? What disciples are you praying for? Because that's where the power comes from. That's how Christ transforms us. So I would encourage you, as you put this together, not to think about family members, because we naturally, or we should naturally disciple family members. But think about somebody in this body, somebody that God has called you to encourage, to speak into, to help them to grow in their spiritual life. So write that person's name down. Now let me uh, talk to you about the importance of prayer again. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God has been ministering to me. I've had that as part of my Memlock memory system, and I've been working at uh, really knowing this particular verse and meditating upon it. It says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul, in the context of this passage, was talking about difficulties, weaknesses in his life. And God is saying, listen, Paul, I'm going to take care of you. It's not going to come through making you stronger, through your own strength, but it's going to come through my strength. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is going to cover you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So when we're weak, that gives Jesus the opportunity to really empower us. Because if we think that we're strong, we're not going to be dependent upon Jesus, right? We need to understand our weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly. I'll brag about the fact that I'm weak. How many people go around bragging about how weak they are? So that Christ's power may rest on me. So the more we're aware of our weaknesses, the more we're aware of Christ's power. And we look at verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties. Now, isn't that just delightful? <laughs> right? Is that where you've been this past week? Oh, wow, isn't that great? Somebody just insulted me. I delight in that. Uh, 
uh, boy, whole new hardship came upon me. I wasn't even aware it was coming. I was blindsided by it. I delight in that. Uh, I'm going through difficulties. I delight in that. I'm persecuted on the job for my faith. I delight in that. How can you have that kind of attitude? Well, Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, if I realize that I am weak, number one, and I realize that Jesus Christ now wants to use this opportunity that I've finally woken up to my weakness to again live through me and let his power be released in my life, then I am strong. And friends, here's the bottom line. <clears throat> the more you are aware of your weakness, the more you're going to pray because you need God's power. If you're prayerless in your life, you're pretty confident in yourself. If you don't spend a lot of time in prayer, if you don't give much thought to God throughout the week, that shows that you have a false sense of confidence in who you are and your abilities. You don't realize how much danger you're in from Satan's attack. But friends, as you mature, as I've matured, one thing I've realized more than anything, I'm much weaker than I ever thought I was. You know, you when you're younger, you, you think you're all that, right? <laughs> and as the years go by, I guess I'm not all that, <laughs> right? I'm weak. And the more you realize your weaknesses, and that's what God wants for you, the more you're going to turn to him and say, God, I have no control over my life. I lack so many things uh, to do this life. I've got to turn to you. And that's when, again, if we take a submissive attitude, God is going to pour his power through us. And so we need to pray not only for ourselves, but we need to pray for those people that we're seeking to disciple. And when I talk about discipleship, I'm not talking about having uh, an attitude towards somebody, oh, I need to help you, because we're all discipling each other. You guys are always discipling me and my relationships with you as you encourage me and challenge me and all those kind of things. We're all discipling each other. So we need to pray for each other. And I included four of Paul's beautiful prayers uh, for the people that he was writing to that I would encourage you to put in your 2959 plan and pray for other people. Philippians 1, 9 through 11 is one of them. Uh, Paul writes, and I'm, I'm going to pray this for my wife, Lori. Like if I was working my 2959 plan and maybe I'd write this out and I'd say, and Lord, is my prayer that my wife, Lori, her, her love would abound more and more uh, for people in her life, especially for me. <laughs> uh, with knowledge and discernment, I pray you give Lori knowledge and discernment in dealing with the challenges that she's going to face today. Uh, I pray that Lori uh, might approve what is excellent. I pray that she'd think on things that are excellent and focus on those and I pray that Lori would be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. If there's any impurity, I pray that you would bring that to her in her life and her thinking and what she does. I pray that Lori would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes to Jesus Christ. I pray that Lori would continue uh, to bear more and more fruit uh, as the days go by. You see, uh, that's not the way we usually pray for people. We usually focus on their physical, their emotional, their financial needs, and that's all good. But always couple it with a spiritual prayer. Whenever you pray for anybody, like a physical, financial, 
emotional need, always pray for them spiritually as well. Just get into that habit because Paul never, you know, talks about praying for people's health per se, and maybe off and on I guess you could interpret it that way. But but he prays for people spiritually. So how are you going to pray for that person uh, you're in a discipleship relationship with or uh, you're seeking to help them grow? Another thing I want to talk about is the morning of prayer. This Saturday morning, if you look in your program, uh, you will see this particular insert, okay? And it says, Morning of Prayer. And we are getting together to call down the power of God because we are a weak church. We are a church that needs God's help. We are an imperfect church. So, 7 to 10, every hour, we're going to be coming together. I'm going to be here for the whole time because I want to lead you in prayer as your pastor. And I want you to be there. And you might say, well, I've never been to that type of thing before. That would be really weird. Well, again, do it in faith. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to say anything. You just come and you sit. And let other people pray if you don't feel comfortable uh, with that. Uh, You might say, well, it's inconvenient. I've got a lot of things going on. Well, (laughs) isn't that the nature of spiritual sacrifice? It's inconvenient to follow God sometimes, isn't it? Well, it's inconvenient to pray. It's inconvenient to come out and say, okay, I'm going to give this time over to the Lord because I realize that our disciple-making community needs to come before the Lord to bow down before him and say, we need your power. We are weak. We can't do anything without you. So I'm calling you as a church as we grow and be in a house of prayer. This is your opportunity this Saturday. Take that sheet out. Check off the hour that you'll be there. And let's show each other how important prayer is. You're encouraging others as you come and also, of course, sending a wonderful message uh, to God. Let's go back to our disciple-making strategy. If we look on the green insert, uh, the next question is, who are you inviting into discipleship? Who are you inviting into discipleship? First Peter 3.15, And your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. This is the anchor verse for the gospel shoes. Remember the armor of God, praying through the armor of God? This is the key verse that we've chosen. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. There are many different ways we can tell people about Jesus, but we've given you some easy ways recently. Of course, uh, we mentioned the postcard uh, that uh, you were given, and uh, 49,000 were mailed out this past week, and I was touched last week during the baptism. I hadn't heard Ted Pissaris' story. Ted, why don't you stand up there for a second and just let people know who you are, okay? And uh, his wife, Chrissy, is uh, sitting next to him there. But Ted told me uh, his story. And uh, you can be seated, buddy. I don't want to wear you out there, man. <laughs> I asked Ted to come up, and he said, no, that's not my deal. And I said, that's okay. <laughs> can I tell your story? <laughs> I said, sure. I really appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, Ted, last year, Ted and Chrissy, uh, Ted was going through a difficult time. He uh, had lost his aunt, and he was very close to her, financial challenges. Uh, so he was selling their car, 
and he ran into, uh, let me go back one step here. First of all, he got a postcard in the mail for our Easter uh, outreach, and uh, he put it up on his fridge because he was, again, feeling that there's something that he needed more. He needed God, and so he put that up on his fridge, a postcard. And a lot of people do that. It's amazing with the shelf life of these things. I mean, people come like two, three years later, yeah, I got a postcard from you, or they receive multiple postcards from you. Uh, again, uh, so he, he put this on the fridge, and then uh, he was selling this car uh, to Emily Erickson. Is Emily here today? Let me see her come. Oh, there she is. Emily, just stand up for a second. There's Emily Erickson. Thank you, Emily. Uh, Emily invited him out to Springbrook. Way to go, Emily. Good job. Let's give Emily a hand, all right? All right? Just, you know, going about her week, had this car transaction. Hey, you know, Emily's very vibrant. Uh, she, she, she invites people uh, to things, and we need to be more like her. And she said, why don't you come out to Springbrook? And Ted saw that as a sign from God because he was thinking about it already. And, of course, the Holy Spirit arranged the whole thing. And so Ted said, i got to go out to Springbrook. So they came out, and they started to get involved in our ministry, coming on Sundays and Eventually, both Ted and Chrissy made that decision to follow Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. And they have two beautiful children, uh, Allison, who's 12, and Justin, who's 7. And uh, last Sunday, uh, Ted was baptized. Ted was baptized at the lake. Let's give the God the glory for that, huh? You see, friends... That is the business that we're in. Here's this guy, okay, never been to church in his life. Never went to church as a kid. He gets a postcard. He gets an invitation. The Holy Spirit's working in his life. He brings his family out. He becomes a Christ follower. She becomes a Christ follower. He's baptized. Now they're being discipled. Isn't that beautiful, huh? Isn't that what we're all about? inviting people into discipleship. And we need to continue to turn up the heat on our desire to see our neighbors, our friends, the people we come in contact with, and we just need to continue to make the invite, not necessarily to church all the time, and invite to our house and invite out to lunch just to get to know them, to show them the love of Jesus Christ. So please, as you leave today, take a pack. We have, we have ten packs out there. Take a pack and get these out to your neighbors. It's an easy ask with the parenting workshop. We're not invite you out to church. We just want to help you. But friends, we're the church, okay? Just don't think somebody else will do that because if you have that attitude, that means everybody else has that attitude. And man, this is not my church, okay? This is not my responsibility to get these cards out. You're just as responsible as I am as disciple makers to make this happen. You need to take action. I need to take action. We need to take action. This is a season when we can get the news out and let people know that we want to help them. And ultimately, we want them to know uh, Jesus Christ. So please, please uh, take cards and put them wherever uh, you feel uh, so led. All right. So who are you inviting? So write down on your green sheet there people that you're uh, looking at in your life, gospel friends, uh, people you want to come to Jesus that God has put uh, in your path. All right, next question is, 
who are you personally investing in? Who are you personally investing in? Again, you need to be helping someone grow in their relationship with Jesus. Second uh, Timothy 2.2 is a classic verse here. It says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So when you learn how to be a disciple of Jesus, if somebody teaches you, God says you have that responsibility to teach other people. How many here coach little league teams? Any coaches here? Okay. All right. Now, would you say you'd be qualified to coach a college team or an NFL team? Uh, if you are, well, okay. Jim back there, you've got go for it, buddy. <laughs> he, he's got it back there, all right? Uh, the point being is, is that many of us uh, don't feel qualified uh, to coach or teach anybody anything. But the only qualification you need uh, to teach somebody something is that you know more than they do. Uh, you're, you're teaching and coaching your kids all the time, right? You're just teaching them how to live life, making wise decisions, how to do things. Uh, how many have taught somebody to teach golf or uh, to, to play golf? Anybody done that before? Given tips? Okay, Jim back there again. Okay, super athlete. Way to go, Jim. <laughs> He's our new sports director here at Springbrook, no doubt. Uh, you know, how many have taught someone to drive before, gone through that harrowing experience? Oh, that, that's a real trip, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you did it. You knew more than the other person, obviously. You still do. <laughs> but the point being is, is that you need to pass that on uh, to other people. And the best way, best way to do that is through small groups. Uh, we're encouraging people to get engaged in small groups as we start out this new fall season. If you've been waiting for the right time to jump in, now's the time. Some quick benefits of small groups, uh, develop new friendships. People are looking to connect. They're looking for people uh, for friendships, and that's what we're all about here. That's the beauty of the church. A customized Bible teaching. When I'm making my presentation here on Sunday mornings, uh, there's no question time. We can't sit around in a big circle. wouldn't be practical. But at the same time, uh, in a small group in somebody's home, uh, you can step through a passage, ask the questions that pertain to your particular needs. Uh, it's very, very interesting. Uh, Real-life examples of spiritual growth. That's the coolest thing about a small group is that you're able uh, to see how other people are processing. And, and sometimes when you come on Sunday, you think, we all have it together. Well, we don't. And when you sit around a small group and you hear people's struggles, you realize that everybody has their challenges. And so it's a great way to see uh, other examples and people modeling what it means to pursue Christ. Uh, doing life together. That's really what discipleship is all about. Just being there with one another, helping each other, encouraging one another, and of course the whole importance of uh, prayer support. I'm going to have Matt Warline come up at this time. Matt is one of our elders here at Springbrook, and he has been involved in small groups for eight years now, and now he has a small group at Panera uh, on Wednesday mornings, I believe, what, 6 o'clock? A men's group, and uh, so if you're interested in a men's group, uh, we would love to have you there. Uh, but, yeah, just tell us a little bit about your journey with small groups and what you enjoy about them. Thanks, Dan. I, um, I can see Bill and Becky here. They were our uh, 
first small group leaders about seven, eight years ago. Uh, we joined their, their couples group, and they were nice enough to have us into their house and have our kids running around their basement, carrying up their basement. And very, very, very good hosts. And um, um, so that was kind of our first, that was our first connection and something that really um, created a lot of growth in me, as if you recall, when the Mills had a house fire, Roger and Annette Mills, and, and um, kind of all came together to, to buy them supplies and pray for them and, and support them. And that was a that was huge for, for my wife and I because we, we really, that was kind of one of those aha moments where this is what it's all about, you know. It's all about having other families there to pray for you and support you. And, um, since then, um, I, uh, one of the things I was lacking in my life was uh, connection with men. Uh, you know, kind of get to a certain age and all your friends move away and you, you have your family and you don't have real good connections with men, and that's where Pastor Rich came in. You know, we, uh, I went to a retreat. Guess who I ended up rooming with? <laughs> Pastor it's Rich. Dangerous. Yeah, it's funny how God, you know, <laughs> brings us together and how He works. But uh, I got a, connected with Pastor Rich that weekend and asked me into his, his uh, men's small group. And uh, about six months after that, I started leading. I started leading the small group. We've been doing that for a couple of years. And, and uh, I tell you, I just—it's it's Wednesday morning. It's—it's it's a perfect point in the week to just get fired up right in the middle of the week. And I just—I love meeting with the guys. Uh, I've got a bunch of brothers now. You know, we've got that commonality of Christ. Pray for each other. And um, you know, we all have these—you know—life's like a wave. You, know? you may be on the crest, but you're gonna every every wave's got a trough. And and it's—it's uh, it's really nice to have a, a group of guys that can pray for you when you go through things be able to pray for them. It's an honor to meet, to meet together with these guys. Let's thank Matt. Matt's on our elder board. LD2 was up here earlier. He's on our elder board, and I just love how those guys disciple me. When you're in a group, you're discipling one another. So, again, take out this particular sheet from uh, your program, and it says small, fall, uh, small groups doing life together. Join a group today. And uh, parenting groups were going to be, most of the groups are going to be doing the Parenting by Design series uh, along with my message. Uh, that I'll be messages that I'll be doing. The Bonded Family Group, Young Married, Couple, Men's, and Women's. So just fill out that information and put it in the offering bag, or better yet, go to the small group table. And Pastor Rich or someone else there can tell you what would be the best group for you, but I tell you what, if you talk to people who've been involved in small groups, they'll say it's a critical part of their growth. And we are a church of small groups. That's how we do church here. We come together on Sundays, and then we meet in small groups, and of course have other ministries, but the main two things we do is we worship together, and then we do life together in small groups. So uh, take the plunge. All right. Uh, another part of this investing in one another is taking one person and being their spiritual friend. Everybody should have a spiritual friend. Somebody that they can talk to about their spiritual life. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So your responsibility is to build other people up Spiritually, now many times a spiritual friend comes out of a small group. You get to know other people and you find a particular person or 
Maybe you're in ministry with someone. Again, look for other people. Uh, we talked about Ted and Chrissy down here. They just started their spiritual journey. There are many people uh, that you can come alongside and, and just reach out to them and say, let's spend some time together talking about our spiritual lives. Here are some practical things you can do. You can do a Bible study together. You can just study the Bible, or you can get a guide that will help you to study the Bible. Pastor Rich has all kinds of resources in that area. You can read an issue-oriented book. Uh, or, excuse me, I, I jumped one. Sorry about that, Jess. Let's go back. Uh, first of all, ask for spiritual prayer requests. Ask for spiritual prayer requests. Uh, well, first of all, you can start out by just asking for prayer requests in terms of building a spiritual friendship. But then ask for spiritual requests. Say, how can I help you grow in your relationship with God? Is there anything you want me to pray in that area about that, about that in that area? Uh, encourage uh, them in their spiritual walk. Engage in spiritual conversation. When's the last time you had a spiritual conversation outside of your small group with somebody just about what was going on in your spiritual life, what were you learning, what are you so thankful for, uh, what is God doing, uh, maybe issues you're struggling with? When is the last time you had those conversations? That's part of a disciple-making community is that we're always having those conversations. We're always influencing uh, one another. Uh, do a Bible study together. Now we'll get back to the next slide. Keep it, uh, read an issue-oriented book. So maybe somebody uh, that you're discipling is struggling in their marriage or with their kids or how do, I, how do I relate God to my job? So you buy a book that teaches the biblical principles about that particular area. Keep each other accountable on a particular growth issue, uh, the 2959 plan that we talked about or the Memlock memory program. Just quickly again, the 2959 plan. I would encourage you, uh, if you didn't get my last email about the 2959 plan, write that 2959 plan on your communication slip because I'm going to send out occasional emails that can encourage you uh, to continue uh, to make your time alone with God a priority and give you insights on how to use that plan. So if you want to receive my emails, write down 2959 plan on your communication slip. And also the Memlock memory system. Uh, this is the memory system that we've adopted as a church to build uh, disciples, to know God's Word. Again, you'll see in this next slide, uh, it's all visually oriented to kind of help you remember what each verse is. Uh, for example, Luke 11, 9, uh, ask will be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Here's the Memlock version of it. You have uh, some lips asking a question. Usually that first word that you have a tough time remembering. But I was talking with a woman who has uh, bought the program, and you'll see the instructions for that in this next slide. Uh, again, it's only $5 once you get right down to it. But the point being is she's, she's doing it with her kids, and she's printing out the coloring sheets for them. It's fun. Uh, you can print out these cards. It's a very versatile program. And again, we just want to help you to make God's Word a priority uh, in your life. All right. So write down again. Uh, maybe some steps that you can take on that green sheet and investing in another person. Maybe you want to join a small group, or maybe you want to write down the name of a person that maybe you could be an encouragement uh, to. All right, so the next and last question is, what is your discipleship role at Springbrook? What is your discipleship role at Springbrook? So we're a disciple-making community. Now, we meet in small groups to disciple one another. Uh, we uh, meet one-on-one -on -one with each other to disciple one another in spiritual friendships. 
But we as a community have a system of disciple-making. Kids City, our youth group events, our prayer team. So every one of us needs to have a discipleship role. 1 Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So everybody has a role. And I want you to take out, uh, we're going to have our ministry fair again today like we did uh, last week, and maybe you weren't here, so you'll have an opportunity uh, to be involved uh, in that. But take out the first serve insert. It's white. It looks like this. And the idea is you can try out a particular ministry in our church. And you can try it out one time, and if you like it, you can try it again or become a part of that ministry, or you can try another ministry out. So again, just read this through when you have the opportunity. You can put down the information on the top uh, and on the other questions, and then it just lists the different ministry opportunities. For example, children's ministry, Kids City, Awana, Junior and Senior High, small groups, First Impressions team, facility ministry, production team, worship, prayer, decor, administrative support team, community outreach and compassion, weekend hospitality. And if you still say, I'm not sure what to do, uh, you can just check help me. And uh, we'll have one of our uh, ministry counselors uh, give you a call, and they can ask you questions and help you to find that right fit. Because, again, we need all the players on the field. If we're going to be a disciple a disciple-making uh, community, uh, we need everybody to be engaged uh, in this. And no matter what your gifts are, no matter if they have never done this type of thing before, uh, there's some place uh, that you can step into. And what we encourage people to do is we encourage people to either step in or step up. Step into ministry or step up in ministry. When you step into ministry is... You're not involved in any ministry, any discipleship role here at Springbrook, and you just need to step in. Maybe it's your first time, or maybe you've been out of the game for a while. So we ask you just to step into ministry, to become engaged in helping us do disciple-making. The second thing is to step up. Maybe you've been serving, let's say, as a host, a greeter, and you want to step up. So you say, hey, I'm ready to step up into leadership. I want to take that next step up of involvement and taking responsibility for something. Or maybe you want to give more hours per week to a particular ministry. Our kids' city, you can be praying for us. We need more high-capacity leaders there. We need more leaders saying, I'm going to give two hours a week to this ministry. There are many other ministries where people give two hours a week, but for some reason, in kids' city, it's difficult for us to get people to say, I'm going to work on this during the week. I'm going to help uh, Michelle Howout and uh, her responsibility there, and uh, we need that. So maybe that's where you want to step up in the ministry. Or maybe you've been part of a small group, and now you want to host a small group. You want to step up. Friends, we need to continue to grow in ministry maturity. And just ask the Lord to guide you, and, and we want to be an encouragement uh, in uh, that way. Well, we're going to have our ministry fair uh, after our last song here. And again, just be looking through that particular uh, flyer. And all you have to do is just kind of wander around there. We had 39 people sign up for different first serve ministries. So we appreciate that so much. And we want you to just get out there. If you haven't had a chance to talk to people at the tables and just whatever questions you might have about the different ministries are clearly identified there and be praying about what 
discipleship role uh, you uh, can have here in our family. So I encourage you to take this green sheet home, put it in your 2959 plan, pray over it, uh, fill the rest of it out, and say, okay, for the next uh, four months as I move toward the end of 2013, this is my disciple-making strategy. This is what I desire uh, to do for the Lord. And then pray over that, and God will give you more insights into it, and you'll create spiritual friendships. You'll be praying for people. You'll be inviting people in the discipleship process, and we're going to see many more good things as we realize that all the power comes from our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. You've called us to be disciple-makers. Help us to be much more uh, committed uh, to this. Help us uh, to give ourselves uh, over to this great work. Uh, Lord, we are all weak, and we all need uh, your strength and your encouragement. And I pray uh, that as the months roll by, uh, that you would make us a stronger disciple-making community uh, to help those uh, who need you so much. In Christ's name, amen.